Welcome back to Tackling the Premier League Podcast with your host, Jack Sosa17. I am uh, joined by BJ the Germ Jackson and uh, just so happens to be the birthday boy, Jay Sub the Boob Suber. How we doing, fellas? Oh, we're good. You already know it. Yep, doing good over here. Ready to tackle the Premier League. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we'll be tackling the last weekend of the Premier League until around the Christmas time, until after the World Cup. Um, so we'll get right into that for you guys, and uh, we'll make sure give your favorite uh, predictions at the end of the show. But it won't be for the Premier League this time. It'll be for the teams we think will win the World Cup, uh, who the Golden Boot winner is, and all that good stuff. I guess we'll jump right back, right into it, and no other way than to uh, bring the birthday boy on for uh, his thoughts on his team's performance this weekend. Uh, 7.30 game on Saturday. Uh, Manchester City hosted Brentford, and Brentford came out 2-1 winners. Sue, I'll let you go first. What What are we thinking on that one? Yeah, what a lackluster performance. Um, I mean, Brentford went up at like the 15-minute mark and really could have been up 2 or 3 nothing already as it seemed like a lot of City players already had their minds on the World Cup as I think all but maybe one or two starting 11 are headed to the World Cup next weekend. So another reason why it shouldn't be played uh, this time of year, but can't really fault that. The players got to show up to play. Going off of what Justin said, um, Man City do have 16 players heading to the World Cup. That is a lot, and a majority of them will be playing for their national team at the World Cup, playing a lot of minutes. So, yeah, um, could definitely see where their minds were set on the World Cup, thinking ahead, not really focused on this Brentford game, home. You know, you, th- you think they should easily win this. Players probably thought that as well. And Brentford came out to play. Yeah, they really they, did. I was thinking about the friendlies that would be taking place, too, during the World Cup. And I don't even know if we got a full 11 for uh, as far as senior squad members go to fill the team, we're going to be have to dipping into the U21s definitely and maybe even the U18s. That, that'll definitely help because um, the Arsenal is playing in the um, an, um, Abu Dhabi uh, World Cup. So, I mean, not a World Cup, but Super Cup during the break. So, yeah, that'll definitely help with the young players playing big teams like that. It's a good problem to have that you uh, have that many internationals going on break. You, you know, you, you want the international players definitely. But to get back to the game – but we had a we had a pretty good one here, didn't we? Uh, let's let's run through the goals real quick. Uh, so it started off with uh, Ivan Tony breaking the deadlock in the 16th minute, early lead for Brentford, who then sat back and uh, and and enjoyed watching Man City possess, only for Phil Foden to unleash a, a ruthless strike right before halftime to draw it level one one at half. Uh, another just Manchester City dominant second half, but. <laughs> Eight minutes into stoppage time, none other than Ivan Tony again uh, to win the game 2-1 for Brentford. Still the phony guys, or, or is he now Ivan Tony? I mean, you, in all of England, you won't find another informed striker, so he definitely should have got a call-up for that squad, and he really proved it today. And uh, a stat that has to be noted is since being promoted, Brentford hasn't lost when going on first. and. Happened again today. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy stat. Um, Ivan Tony's sure in form right now. 
Um, glad to see that from him. Uh, just that goal at the end for Brentford, man. Uh, man City was really, really trying to win the game at the end, and they just had too many people up, and Brentford hit that counterattack perfectly, and it was unstoppable. And they almost did it again. Man City had so many people up trying to tie it, and Kevin De Bruyne was the one that had to um, clear it off the line. So yeah, Brentford there with the good counterattacks at the end when they needed them. Yeah, like you were saying with the first one, shouldn't have had that many people up as in a game like that. You, If you don't win it, you got to at least get a point in the position that we're in. And uh, But for the second one, was a 3-1 defeat compared to a 2-1 defeat. Yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah, we'll move on to uh, the 10 o'clock games, um, and we'll start with uh, uh, Anfield, Liverpool hosting Southampton. Uh, this is a good one. The, the final score was 3-1. Uh, two goals inside the first 10 minutes as Roberto Firmino uh, took the lead in the sixth, and Shea Adams came, restored the deadlock uh, in the ninth. But then a, uh, a brace from Darwin Nunes uh, saw Liverpool 3-1 winners here. I'll get your take on this, BJ. How was this game for you? Um, kind of what I expected. Um, Liverpool coming out and performing at home right before the World Cup. Those that points they really, really needed. So, basically, what I expected from Liverpool here. Yeah, that's what I expected too. I mean, against a very a struggling Southampton team who just fired their head coach. What more do you expect? And. I mean, Darwin Nunez, very clinical in front of goal in this one. That's Liverpool's uh, second win uh, after, losing, after losing two straight. Uh, sees them sixth place uh, going into the World Cup break. Uh, disappointing first start to the season, but to be in a, in a European spot at this point uh, after the start they had, that's brilliant for them. Um, yeah, um, with that win... It- <clears throat> Like you said, it is really nice for them to get uh, back into European spots right before the World Cup. Um, yeah, Liverpool is um, doing what they need to do right now. Absolutely. And recent reports said uh, they are now up for sale by their owners uh, with the January transfer window coming up. Could you, If they're sold, I see a backing. If they don't get the deal across in time, which, I mean, they have plenty of time, but if they don't get the deal across in time, uh, do you see them bringing any, any recruits in January? Well, why would you invest whenever you're trying to sell the club? Yeah, exactly. Um, is it is it word on the street? Is it Saudi money that's trying to buy them? I'm not sure the, the country of origin, but I mean, I thought, as, I far as, that. as far as as far as why you invest if you're trying to sell the club, I mean, you still have a duty and a responsibility to to move the club forward, even if you are planning on getting out of it. And I mean, no. The club would lose value if Liverpool ended up doing poorly this year. So I feel like if you're making an investment into the club, you make an investment into the club up into the last day that you own it, and then you obviously sell it at the the highest availability. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But you still don't want to rush into a deal and spend mass amount of money that you may not see get back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I can see them getting bagged if, like, maybe like an injury happens in the World Cup or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they 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 brought in the only midfield recruit they brought in this year. Well, I guess other than Fabio Cavario, um, they brought in uh, Arthur Mello, and I mean, he did something to his knee in like the first week of training, and now he's been he's going to be out until like March or April. So, I mean, 
I I could see them buy you know going in and, and and finding somebody for a decent price. I don't see them pulling off a Jude Bellingham you know transfer or anything crazy like that. But I see them going to get some decent recruits. It's something that they definitely need. As Klopp has spoken about, he needs players multiple times. Um, with that, we'll move on to another ten o'clock game. Depression, depression at the Vitality Stadium is uh, Bournemouth absolutely route Everton three nil at full time. Uh, two goals in the first half. Uh, and then a 69th minute third goal added by Jaden Anthony, um, and that's all. Bournemouth uh, beat Everton three nothing. Uh, Boob, let's hear it. What did you think of this one? I mean, we've been praising that Everton defense as well as Jordan Pickford, and neither one of them had a good game in this one. I mean, the first goal, uh, Tavernier gets a tap in after Pickford. I mean, he should have done something completely different. Whether he catches it, which would have been tough, but he could have very easily put that out of bounds. What was he trying to do? Yeah, it seemed like he was trying to beat it down for him to fall on. But, I mean, with with that, you can't just do that. I mean, if I was Southgate, that would put question marks in the back of my mind about him. But it is Jordan Pickford, so. I mean, yeah, I think it was definitely a blunder, a massive mistake. Uh, but he's not – I mean, he's not known for that. That's not something that he does often. Uh, and he's been in ridiculous form for England and for Everton for the past uh, year, year and a half. So, personally, I let him get away with it. It's understandable. Uh, like, uh, I saw a tweet uh, in terms of ex-goal potential. Um, you know, Everton should have allowed a lot more goals this season than they have. Uh, and that, that has, that's down to Jordan Pickford – Mostly, and then, you know, a few blocks here or there from Tarkowski or Mikulinko. But, yeah, a blunder, a big one, but I think you just kind of have to tell him, move on. You know, that's your first one in a while. Get on with it. Um, the second goal was a bit of controversy in my mind, and I want to talk to you guys about it, get your opinion on it. Uh, Kiefer Moore uh, scored to put Bournemouth, Bournemouth up 2-0. Um, just about 10 seconds before the goal, uh, two players collided heads in the box, uh, in the Everton box, and both went down holding their heads. Uh, they remained down and even after the goal was scored. Was it wrong or right for the referee not to stop the game for a head injury? Um, only I say only if the ball went outside the box. The ball never left the 18-yard box. You can't stop it when the ball is right there. Yeah, I mean, I could see it either way, but isn't the rule if there's a head injury, the play stopped immediately, so... That is indeed, in fact, the rule. Yeah, if, if there's a head injury, a suspected head injury, the play, the referee has to blow the whistle immediately and play has to stop. Uh, and, and the I referee just, just – Craig Paulson didn't do it. There's no way you could stop it there. I mean, I'm looking at the replay right now. The ball is barely two yards past the um, six-yard box. I mean, you still have to – It's it's just, it, as soon as there's a head injury, you have to stop the game. That That's the rule. That, that's, that's word for word verbatim what the rule states. Uh, I mean – if you want to change the rule, and how, if you how want to change, restart, how do you restart this game? If you do that, how it's the a, hell do you restart it? It's a drop ball. It's a contested <laughs> drop ball. I swear <laughs> that's how it's supposed to be started. That's the laws of the game. I mean, as much as you, as much as you think that they're they're not okay. right. Okay, that's the laws forget, of the game. I forget which game it was in, but somebody was awarded um, an uncontested free kick within the six yard box earlier this year. Um, I don't remember what it was for or what game it was in, but I mean, if uh, the rule says uh, or contested drop ball, then that's how it should be played 
in my opinion. But all right, well, we can't change what's already happened, so we'll just talk yeah. about the performance from uh, Travenier. Man, he has been balling these last few games. Yeah, he has been in good form. On him? He has been in very good form, but like I said earlier, that first goal was a tap in. But you got to be, be there. there though. You got to be there. Yep, that's right. right. So he had um, a goal and an assist in this game. Really nice from him. Was his assist on that free kick? No, it was on. It was the shot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, on Anthony's uh, goal in the 69th minute, um, just free header, nobody within two yards around him. And it's not what we've been seeing from this Everton back line. But it's got to be said, that's the first goal that they've allowed from a header this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also our first set-piece goal as well in the Premier League. Um but, yeah, uh, just an awful, terrible performance. Uh, Everton haven't scored a goal in five out of their last six games. Uh, it, it isn't looking good. Uh, yeah, it isn't looking good. Frank's in the hot seat. Yeah, I was about to ask you thoughts on Frank. Yeah, oh, Frank's in the hot seat, no doubt. I mean, in the last five games, uh, we've played two recently promoted teams, and we have gotten one point from those two recently promoted teams, and we've got four out of the last five games. Um, I, it, 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 it's the goals. It's, it's definitely the goals. that You have to score goals. Like we said, you know, in order to win games, you have to score more goals than your opponent. And if Where you can't are you score, finding goals in this team, though? That's the problem. There, I mean, there, there isn't I any. I don't, yeah, I don't see any. I mean, yeah, good defense, but, I mean, is this defense really about to go down? I mean, it was it, it was Rashalison last year that that provided the goals. Um, I will say, up until uh, Andrews Townsend tore his ACL in March of last year, he was our leading goal scorer and assister. So, um, I mean, we were obviously dreadful last year, but Andrews Townsend, I don't think he'll be the same player. He's over thirty and he's coming back from an ACL tear. I don't think he'll be the same player he was last year. But that's a hope. I just, you know, we. So we got to bring somebody in, no doubt. And, and it's not like we, they weren't trying in the summer. I mean, they put in bids for uh, the Gapco. Uh, they put in bid. They had kudos there until the Antony move blocked. Uh, Ajax blocked kudos from leaving. Obviously, they went for that uh, Ukrainian guy Merdro. But I, you know, again, they were only offering installments that were to be paid over the next five years, whereas big clubs could offer all the money up front. So those are, you know, those are. You're never really going to get that. But, again, I mean, there were bids made to sign attackers, but they were not successful. The only ones we got were um, Malpe and, and McNeil, and they're just neither are at the level that we need them at. Um, I mean, so. um, I don't know if Inter's up for it, but Lukaku on loan to try to get y'all to stay up. I saw, yeah. something said, uh, I saw something that said Ronaldo on loan for the second half of the season. <laughs> I just laughed. <laughs> It was one of the Everton fans on Facebook being like, "We should get, we should get him on loan for the second half of the season. It only costs us ten million. I'm like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we'll move on from that one. We'll go to another ten, uh, ten o'clock game. Uh, West Ham faced Leicester City in London, uh, and they did not come out on top in this one as Leicester City won two 0 An early James Madison goal uh, saw Leicester go up one 0 in the first half. At, uh, even though James Madison had to be withdrawn early just for a precaution. 
Uh, and then a 78th minute Harvey Barnes goal. So let's just see this one out 2-0. What do we think of uh, this game? Is this something that we expected to happen? Uh, or, or was this a surprise? And where does that leave West Ham at this point? We'll start with uh, BJ. Oh, man, this is bad for West Ham, but good for Leicester. Leicester have been uh, finally finding form what they've needed, uh, keeping keeping clean sheets. Big for Danny Ward, another one here. Uh, does that make him six in um, uh, the Premier League now after not even keeping one in his first seven? Very yeah. impressive. To add to that, um, one goal allowed in his last six games, five of them being clean sheets, obviously. And West Ham um, – they put a few decent shots on target in this one. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, without his form, Leicester may not have won the last four or five, and their only loss came to City in that, which you'd argue is the better side in that one, obviously. But that's their only goal allowed in those six games. So they played City to a really good game. Um, I mean, this Leicester team's finally play into their – quality you know yeah absolutely yeah and, and they've they've hit a, a bright spot of form here um and, and on the other side west ham not in not in such good form um these teams lester obviously we were in that relegation zone they were in last place for a good part of the season they've won four out of the last five uh and, and like we said that's danny ward doing doing his job they also have a goal differential now of zero and I'm pretty sure at some point last uh, earlier in the year it was negative 12. So they've really stepped it up and turned it around. Um, five wins, two draws, eight losses. They sit in 13th place, and, and they look on the up and up. West Ham, however, another manager potentially in the hot seat. What do we think of David Moyes? Is he in the hot seat, guys, or does West Ham need to move on? Yeah, absolutely, they're in the hot seat. I, I, I think it's time to move on. I mean, you got a nice team. You're still in um, European competition right now. You're in the Europa Conference League. So, I mean, it's a good job to have if you're a manager. So, I think it's, the time is now to fire David Moyes, and you got the whole World Cup to find someone. And they went out and spent money like we've talked about. They got, um, what, who was it, Cornet uh, from Burnley, uh, Samaka, and Paqueta. Yeah. Uh, three guys that should have brought you more goals and – and a starting center. Did you name the starting center back? Kyer. From PSG. Career or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's a big sign as well. Yeah. yeah Look bad, honestly, at the back to start uh, his Premier League. Uh, yeah, and he's day. still having a couple of bad performances here. Well, bad uh, like plays here and there. So. Yeah, giving up penalties and scoring at the wrong end. So. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, this, this new signings definitely haven't worked out for them the way you wanted to. So, that definitely puts the manager in the hot seat, in my opinion. Yeah, West Ham have uh, only won one of their last four games. Uh, they sit on 14 points even with Everton, uh, both having played five, 15 games. Uh, but West Ham's won an extra game. Uh, they've won four games. Everton's only won three, and, and Everton have drawn three more. So they've drawn five games, and uh, West Ham only two. So, you, you know, West Ham uh, – the thing is, is like there's this six week break now, uh, and then you get a January transfer window. This is the perfect time to hire a new manager if you're going to do it. Personally, I don't think Everton need to do it uh, because how many? I think they've had seven managers in the past six seasons or five seasons, and it's just at some point firing the manager is not going to work anymore. But I think West Ham. I think it's time for David Moyes to move on. I mean, you see uh, Newcastle 
fire Steve Bruce and brought in Eddie Howe, and you see the turnaround that team's that team's created. This is this is a, a a really good situation that has the ingredients to be a good team. I just think they need a new manager, and that's my opinion. What what's your what's y'all's opinion if you're the West Ham CEO? What, where are you moving? I mean, yeah, just going off what you said, definitely I think it is time to move on. You got six weeks, perfect timing to do it, and the January uh, transfer window opening up. So, yeah, good timing. And uh, just if, just say, let's play what us here. If West Ham do uh, fire uh, David Moyes, why does Everton, why doesn't Everton fire Frank and go after David Moyes, a proven Premier League manager that could probably keep them up over Frank, in my opinion? Yeah, no, I, I'm. No comment on that. Justin, you want to comment on that? I mean, I agree with uh, what you both said up until that last point. Um, <laughs> Frank kept Everton up last year, and like Jack said, at some point, it's not the manager. So, Yeah, I, and I think Frank's – if anybody's going to do it, Frank's going to do it. Uh, David Moyes is beyond his prime. He used to be the Everton manager um, before – uh, he went to Manchester United. Yep. He's, he's past his prime, man. He's past his prime. That's all I'm going to say about David Moyes. I would take Bielsa, though. Yeah, Bournemouth are in talks with Bielsa to, to be their new manager, uh, which could be interesting in the way Bournemouth have been very good uh, so far at the beginning of the season. Very surprising. That would be an interesting move. Uh, I would take him at Everton. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we'll move on to the uh, the most exciting match of the weekend, uh, the seven-goal match. That's a uh, Tottenham Hotspur hosting uh, Leeds United. Uh, Jesus' uh, player, Crescencio Somerville, started the scoring off for us, uh, a goal in the 10th minute, uh, only to be pegged back by Harry Kane in the 25th. Uh, Rodrigo, with a brace in this one, he scored his, uh, his first one to end the first half, uh, Leeds United up 2-1. Uh, but Ben Davis in the 51st minute would draw them back 2-2. Uh, Rodrigo then would score again, which would make it 3-2. Uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt <laughs> with two straight goals uh, to put Tottenham up 4-3 and then a Tyler Adams red card at the end of the game. Uh, guys, what a back-and-forth electric game. Uh, Sue, I'll get your opinion on it first. You're the Leeds United guy, and Crescencio Somerville is your guy. What do you think? I mean... At some point, it's frustrating to watch Leeds play, but you know you're going to get a, a great game to watch as they play. They still play a little bit of Bielsa ball, back and forth type game, um, but they've scored 11 goals in their past few games, and they've also let in 11 goals in the same amount of games. So if they could be a little bit better defensively, they could really start doing things in the table. But talking about Somerville's goal, um, that's four and four. And um, Aronson with the assist there. So I'd love to see it. I mean, yeah, definitely not the performance I wanted to see from this game. For at the beginning of the game, I thought, wow, Leeds are going to come out and really, really uh, show up. And they did for the most part. But, oh, man, that defense of theirs is just – they just can't get it together right now. They're just letting in goals after goals. And that's just not the recipe to win games. You're definitely going to lose games if you can't sort out your defense. And it sucks to see that right now for Leeds. Yeah, Leeds sit on a uh, negative four goal differential with uh, 26 goals given up and 22 scored. Uh, that 22 scored is, is a pretty good number. Uh, but uh, yeah, like you said, the 26 uh, 
let in is not good. Question for you guys. Uh, do you think this is the defensive troubles this season are remnants of Bielsa ball or Leeds United don't have the quality at the back in order to defend? No, I think they don't have the quality players you want in the Premier League at the back. Um, they got a couple young players back there. Um, what's his name? Uh, I think Strook's pretty young. Pastel Scroot, and that his name. Yeah, right. like that. yeah. He's only he's only twenty three. So, uh, yeah, they got definitely got some young talent back there. I just think they need one or two more defensive players. I don't. Nothing needs to change up top. They got a good amount of attacking players. Yeah, young, they need- young players you like. They need a true leader at center back. Yeah, they, well, they got Sinistera hurt. Luis Sinistera out hurt right now too. So oh. they got definitely have the talent up top. Yeah, and talking on the flip side for Tottenham, uh, Kulusevski came back from injury a week or so ago, and what a difference he made in this team. I mean, absolutely cut up this uh, Leeds defense, and um, he's. Mostly responsible for the winner, honestly, taking on a couple defenders and bringing Melly out, out of goal and then finding Benton Cure in the middle. So he's really the difference maker, I think, in the Spurs squad. Yeah, absolutely. And he was last year. He was really, really good last year for them on loan. And I think he is still on loan this year with uh, obligation to buy it in the summer. But um, yeah, it's definitely what you want to see if you're a Spurs fan is Kulisewski coming back and playing the way he is only after a week of returning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh three losses out of their last five games. Uh and Tottenham still sit uh just eight points off the lead in fourth place. Uh, with a game in hand. With a game in hand. Uh they they seem to still be in a good position. Uh and they and they got that most important win right before the World Cup. So we'll see what they can get done on the way uh, on the back end of the season and if they can find that form again and what they what they have going on in the transfer window. Uh, move on. Next ten o'clock game. Uh, Nottingham Forest hosted Crystal Palace, and it's always fun to watch Nottingham Forest play. One, because you never know what you're gonna get. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Uh, and two, because their stadium and their atmosphere is just so brilliant to watch. Uh, and what a game this was! A 54th minute Morgan Gibbs White goal saw Nottingham Forest beat Crystal Palace one nil. Uh, BJ, I'll go ahead and get your thoughts on this one. What were your thoughts uh, after watching this one? Yeah, so, I mean, just I'm happy to see it for Nottingham Forest. But, uh, like I said, I, I thought Crystal Palace would do good this year, and it's not what you wanted to see from them, of course. Yeah, Palace is coming off back-to-back wins for the first time this year, looking for their third win in a row in forever, it seems. And um, they couldn't put a shot on target this year. They even had a penalty. And Zaha hit the outside of the post. Um, and if he would have put it inside the post, it would have been 1-1 as uh, the keeper guessed the wrong way. Um, and really, neither team could put shots on target because out of 17 shots, there were only two on target. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was definitely a rough one. But uh, uh, not on a way to find three really huge points for them. That takes them off the bottom of the table. Uh, where they they would have been bottom of the table due to goal differential, um, but two wins in their last five games sees them in the last relegation spot, 18th place. Uh, worst goal differential in the league. Um, most goals let up in the league, uh, but not enforced. Putting it together just a little bit. What do we What do we say? 
they're still going down. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I might throw Everton in that spot where I have them. I just I would rather have a team that scores like just like Leeds. I'd rather my team score goals than not score any. So I, yeah. I just I feel like they have more of a chance of staying up just because they can score goals. Maybe, maybe we can get somebody from from them for cheap. Give us Jesse Lingard or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last no, excuse me. Uh, that was the last of the ten o'clock games. So we'll move on to the twelve thirty games. Uh, and this one was a fun one to watch. This is uh, two top six teams. Um, Newcastle hosted Chelsea at St. James's Park. Uh, Graham Potter uh, coming off the back of two Premier League losses, uh, not in good shape. Uh, he drops this game as Newcastle win this 1-0 at home. Uh, Chelsea then move out of the top six. Uh, no wins in their last five, uh, just two draws and three losses. What did you guys think of this game, and what do we think of Chelsea's disappointing first half? Um, I just I uh, just go talking about Chelsea real quick. Uh, it's kind of the same thing I problem I have with Unai Emery. He's just I think he changes the lineup too much, or that I think that's what Unai Emery is going to do. But Graham Potter's proven it with Chelsea that he just he changes the lineup and tactics way too much, and that's not the case like what you want with your manager. You want something that you can see growth and what he's trying to do, so you know what kind of players that you potentially want to buy. Because I mean, with Chelsea right now, like. What like what are they really doing? Yeah, they started young Lewis Hall in the left back position, and then yeah, to Sheik in the right back or the right wing back position as they played three the back. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, it is definitely a uh, it's definitely a tough situation. But yeah, so he started uh, Borja uh, Bora up top instead of Bamiyang. I mean, stuff yeah. like that. It's not it's not going to help Bamiyang's informed potential right now. So, you got anything to add? I mean, they seem to come out too defensively some games. And uh, like you said, there just really isn't a kind of plan, it seems, from Potter. It seems like he's trying everything to figure out the right 11 at this point. Yeah. Well, after this one, that leaves uh, Newcastle the only team in the Premier League to be perfect in their last five games. Uh, 15 points from their last five. Uh, they sit in third place on 30 points, just seven points off the lead with a game in hand. Um, Newcastle, really good position here, like we said in our last podcast. Uh, They have, you know, the January transfer window coming up here, and they look to be a team in good form without even their best players on the pitch. Uh, This top four team for Sub and I, according to our predictions last week, BJ, is it looking more of a top four chance for Newcastle, or do you still think they'll drop? Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a, starting to become a really, really good question. Uh, I still think uh, maybe Liverpool and Man United could catch them, but uh, we'll see. We'll see there for sure. Um, they're definitely starting to put together the wins instead of the draws. That's five straight wins in their last five. That's big. Yeah. yeah. To me, they seem to be the best team at the moment. Um, I mean, obviously, like you said, perfect in their last five as they're putting it together on the offensive side and defensive side. Yeah. We'll move on, we'll move on to the uh, – oh, you want to keep going? I mean, I just want to talk about the goal real quick. Um, oh, yeah, Miggy, 
that man, holy crap, is he balling right now. And just uh, it was a great run from him across the box, just trying to find any opportunity to get on that left foot of his. And then out of nowhere comes the Arsenal boy himself, Joe Willick. And boy, does he fire a rocket in past uh, Mindy. Good. It wasn't really a rocket, but it had some pace to it. More of a um, more of a placement shot, I'd say. Good, yeah. It, it kind of threw Mindy off too with how Almiron had a full head of steam and Will it came out of nowhere, passing it into the back of the net. Yeah, out of nowhere is right. Yeah, that's uh his first assist of the season with Almiron. As he has uh, eight goals and one assist so far this year. Definitely a man in form. Definitely one of the reasons Newcastle are playing so well. Um, and if they can get Allen St. Maximum back, then they're going to be doing real, real well. We'll move on to the polarizing table game, uh, polarizing sides of the table game. Uh, last place Wolves hosted first place Arsenal, uh, where Arsenal struggled for a bit uh, to find the goals, but none other than Captain Odegaard, uh, the man not going to the World Cup, uh, comes out with a br- second half brace, and Arsenal will find themselves uh, with a five-point gap on second place. Uh, top of the Premier League going into the World Cup. BJ Odegaard's performance, Arsenal's performance, and Wolves' outlook. Well, Arsenal's performance, yeah, we might have struggled to find the goals, but we definitely did not struggle in the game. We dominated the game, fellas. I mean, 62% possession, 537 passes to their 295, 14 shots to their 11. Yeah, not that big of a difference there. Both teams really didn't have uh, that many shots on target, actually. So only three of ours to their two. Just an overall domination by Arsenal, in my opinion. Yeah, really epitomized by how the goals were scored. I mean, uh, the first one was an easy tap, and and the second one, Odegaard just hits hard and true, where Saka did nothing about it. Um, He had a really good game, in my opinion. Yeah, that first goal was a really nice play by uh, Jesus there to get the ball to uh, Fabio Vieira. And then the second goal was even a better play, in my opinion, by uh, Martinelli to chase down the defender um, and uh, keep the ball in play and then work it back in. It was just brilliant, brilliantly worked by Martinelli, in my opinion. Really like to see that. Just didn't stop, didn't quit. It's what you love to see out of your wingers up top. Yeah, I agree. And talking about Jesus, um. Yeah, he does things um to not end up on the stat sheet, like get that hockey assist there. But he hasn't His... scored in eleven straight competition or in eleven straight games in all competitions. So if he can find his finishing form, um, Arsenal is going to be a much better squad. Obviously, yeah. It's just what he does in the box and in that eighteen-yard box is. I think it's he's probably like one of the best strikers inside that eighteen yard box in the world. It's just the stuff he does is unbelievable in my opinion. Gotta score the goals though. I mean, doing stuff and creating goals is, is great as well, but you're you're paid to be the number nine, you gotta put them away too. I wouldn't know anything about that considering no one can do that on my team. Uh but Arsenal in their last five, uh, only one small blemish on, on their uh, their form guide is they have a draw, obviously, that 1-1 draw uh, with Southampton. Um, Wolves, however, on the other hand, guys, no wins in their last five, just a draw. Uh, Wolves, it's not looking good. They fired their manager. 
Uh, they've hired a new one, but still not not a not a he great outlook. Benefit of the doubt to the new manager. He was introduced at the stadium for this game. He was not managing, so we'll see how he looks after the World Cup. I imagine they'll give him maybe one signing. They did spend a lot of money in the uh, summer transfer window. It'll be interesting to see what Wolves do. They got. I think they at least got to give him one or two signings. And really, you just need that clinical finisher as. Wolves had some good opportunities in this game to score, as you said, 11 shots, but they only had two on target. I mean, you would think Guedes could do a lot better um, just putting the ball on target, which is what they needed in some of those uh, chances that they created. I was going to say, yeah. they've gotten a backing, no doubt. Uh, and the, Bruno Lodge got a backing this summer in the transfer window. Uh, they just got to – they need the number nine. That, I agree with that. Uh, what I, think, uh, I think Ruben Neves might leave in the January transfer window, and that might open up some money for them. But we'll see. Yeah, we definitely will. A little bit of speculation there. Everybody loves it. Yeah, that's, he, he could go, and that's a good piece to sell uh, to try to find some money. We'll move on to the Sunday game. Uh, games, excuse me. Um, a little bit of a surprise here. Amex Stadium, Brighton hosts uh, Aston Villa. Um, Brighton come out firing. Uh, first minute goal finds them one nil in the good, but a twenty minute Danny Ings penalty and a fifty uh, fourth minute Danny Ings goal to secure his brace and secure three points for Aston Villa under Unai Emery. Uh, out possessed in this one, but uh, they got the result. Boo, what did you think of that? What a game it was. I mean, like you said. Uh, McAllister put him up in the first minute. And then it was a really good game after that, uh, as it really could have gone either way. Um, as Ng steps up, puts a penalty away in the 18th minute, and uh, each team had chances after that. Yeah, but do y'all, I agree, it was a big performance for Villa, but do y'all see where I'm coming from? And I think, you know, Emery's changing the tactics way too much. This, this man was, went to a 6 3 1 real quick. Oh yeah, to That's, hold the win. I mean, I, mean, I just, I think, I think, it's, I think he's just going to have problems when he's trying to overthink stuff in the future. But big win from them. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what they look like at the end of the break because they could be. Um, this could be a major move for them. I kind of hope it is, and I kind of hope they straighten things out and become a a good team in the Premier League, so we can all say it was Steven Gerrard's fault. Um, which I think it was, anyways. But yeah, and, and the. The time wasting started a little early for Villa. There, they were just begging to do anything to get out of there with the three points. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't blame them. They needed it big time. Two wins in a row for them, big for the team. With six weeks to incorporate the new manager's tactics, uh, I understand what they were doing, but it was it was rough there at the end to see a six three one formation with time wasting. Yeah, <laughs> talking about that, there was uh, seven yellow cards. After the 79th minute, six of them for Villa for time-wasting, like you said, and a couple bad challenges. But, I mean, they got the job done at the end of the day. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yep. Brighton, uh, with their new manager after Graham Potter's departure, still find themselves in the Europa Conference League spot uh, in seventh place. But – Form has definitely been slipping since Potter's left as uh, they've only won two out of their last five. Uh, a little bit, little bit tough there for, for Brighton. 
Um, obviously, you kind of expect them to drop a little bit more. Uh, but what is the ceiling for Brighton this season? I mean, honestly, I think they can compete for that seventh, eighth spot in the Premier League. It would be tough for them to do that. This break couldn't have came at a better time for them. They were slipping. So it's nice to get this break in and uh, give your players a little bit more time to understand what the man, uh, new manager wants. But they got to get it together if they want to really com- uh, have a chance for that uh, sixth spot in the Europa Conference League. So we'll see. Yeah, I think ceiling is six. But um, yeah. their floor could honestly be probably 12th or so. Um, it all depends on if the uh, players' qualities continue to step up like they did under Potter or if they continue to slip and fall uh, how we've seen in their past mm-hmm. few games. Yeah, going off what you just said, 12th could definitely be the floor. I mean, they, only ha- they do have a game in hand over the team in 12th, who is Villa, but Villa's only three points behind them, so – yeah, it's really Definitely competitive. Possible. Very competitive there, and and uh, the four the four has yet to be seen for them. Hopefully, they they stay off of it though. Uh, yeah. With that, with that one, we'll move to uh, the final game of this game week. Uh, Fulham hosted Manchester United uh, in a game where Christian Eriksen finds the the first first half goal, or excuse me, Christian Eriksen finds a goal in the first half to have Manchester United up one nil at halftime, only for Dan James. The uh, extra man United man to draw Fulham level 1 1 uh, in the 64th minute. And then the young lad, Alejandro Garnacho, uh, three minutes into stoppage time at the death, wins it for Manchester United. Uh, a big a big three points from Eric Ten, Hog, Eric Ten Hogsman. Um, and, and I'll get your thoughts on the game and then uh, introduce the Ronaldo situation. We'll have a chat about that. Give it to me, Sue. What you think? <laughs> yeah, this was a very good game as well. I mean, United looked obviously the better squad, but an argument could be made if Mitrovic was in this Fulham team, they could have easily drawn level, if not won this one. Um, I mean, with the chances that they had, he could have easily put one away. Yeah, this is it sucks for Fulham. I thought when Dan James scored that uh, equalizer in the 61st minute, they actually had a chance to maybe get a point here in this game, especially being at home. But, whew, that, that game winner from Garnacho, you like to see that from an 18-year-old. And he kind of has those Ronaldo 18-year-old teeth too. So, looks like he might be the next big uh, talent for them. That's anything to base it off of. Yeah, well, during – during this past week, uh, a episode appeared on uh, Piers Morgan's talk show, uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored. Uh, Ronaldo spoke for, for 90 minutes with uh, Piers Morgan about Manchester United opening up, uh, saying they disappointed him, they betrayed him, uh, people didn't want him there, uh, just just a, a lot of different things. What do we think about Ronaldo coming out? Um like this and what that means for his future and also what that means for his legacy. Um, kind of makes me glad that um, no players really came out like this against Arsenal when they had problems with Arteta because this is rough for Ten Hag right now, man. I mean, yeah, we Arteta sat out Ozil for a, a whole year and we didn't have any interviews like this come out. I mean, yeah, there were some rumblings and stuff like that going on, but no legit interview sit down and, this is rough. This is rough for Man United fans. Even the videos coming out 
of his Portuguese teammates. No one wants to be around this man. It's it's bad right now. I feel for Ronaldo, and I mean, uh, then again, I really don't because I'm, why why do this? Yeah, there's no reason for it. Uh, I mean, uh, United's uh, record with and without him on the pitch. I mean, it's complete night and day. Uh, you want to you. If you're a United fan, the best thing you would like to see when the lineups come out is for him not to be in it just because they've been winning without him. And he doesn't really fit uh, Eric Ten Hag's style of play. And uh, kudos to him for really having the balls to sit um, a club legend and one of the best players in the world. Uh, And I think it really – if it doesn't completely finish his legacy at United, it's it's almost done. Honestly, if I were a United fan, I couldn't be behind him anymore. I agree. Yeah, uh, Manchester United uh, find themselves in fifth place still, uh, three wins out of their last five, uh, a draw and a loss. Uh, not terrible form, not terrible placing in the table, uh, but. You know, this is not this is not a good spot to be in. Hopefully, they can get rid of him in uh, in January and bring in the much needed reinforcements. Uh, that wraps up uh, this game week in the Premier League, uh, and this wraps up the first. I guess we'll call it half, not technically the half, but the first part of the season as as we move into the World Cup breaks. Uh, guys, before we go, before we wrap this up, I want to get a couple of predictions about the World Cup. Well, um, uh, what do you see? Who do you see the Golden Boot winning? Uh, player guys, uh, I'll start with you, BJ. Who you got? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a sleeper here. He's gonna start. He's on a good team. Cody Gapo, Dutchman. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think I think he's gonna have a really good World Cup this year. Well, I wouldn't go there. Um, no, I wasn't thinking that either. I mean, he's. He's he's in form. He's going to be playing on a good team. He's going to be starting. Yeah. Great odds, great betting odds if you're a betting man, which I'm not. Yeah, responsibly if you are. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. He's not even in the top. No. Two, three, four, five. He's not even in the top ten. It looks and like. Why not give the man a shot? I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, proven, well. that he, he's proven that he can this year. Yeah. Who you think I think I'm gonna go more. Uh, conventional route and say Mbappe. I think, I mean, I think France has a good run, giving him more games to score in, and he's obviously a good finisher uh, at PSG. So I think he gets the chances and is able to put goals in the back of the net. That's a good shot as well. Uh, we had Mbappe, and then we had uh, uh, Ga- how do you say his name? Is it Gapko? I say Gapo, but. I yeah, I don't know how to say it exactly. I say Cody Gapo. Interesting. Interesting. I want personally, I want to say Neymar because I think Neymar, I think I think Brazil's gonna be hot, but I, I don't know if Brazil I don't know if Neymar's gonna score the goals or their striker's gonna score the goals. Uh and we don't it remains to see who the striker's gonna be. Uh my I'll give you my sleeper. I I could see and hear me out on this one. I can see Jao Felix uh, having a really good World Cup this year. He's surrounded by a really good squad of Portuguese players, and he may not be uh, the highlight of them. I can see him. I can see him grabbing six or seven goals, uh, and that might be enough. 
Um, but yeah, I have to say name. I have to say Neymar or Jao Felix. Richie with twenty five to one odds. Jack, that's pretty good. I mean, he's coming back from injury, so who knows if he'll play? But that's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, hold on. We're going with a super pick. I'm gonna go with my boy Latoro Martinez. Uh, I mean, he plays for Argentina, so um, seems like oh, decently far. At least all the favorites or you know everybody picking has them going far. So he'll have games where he can get it and. Starting for that Argentinian squad at that number nine, he's going to have chances. Yeah. Who's going to win the World Cup over that? I, well, I, if I'm going off of who I think is going to win the Golden Boot, I, I, got, I think Netherlands got a good shot. Why not? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm riding high on the Dutch this year. Uh, that's a shout, I'd say. But they got a decent little squad. But I'm going to go with uh, – I think I'm gonna go with Argentina. I think Messi finally yeah. gets it. I could, def- I could, I could definitely see the Argentinian players really playing hard this uh, World Cup to give him his rightful send off and give him a World Cup and really give him the label as the best soccer player ever. Yeah, that would do it. I mean, not that it hasn't already. He definitely is still the best soccer player ever. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think, I think, uh, I think Brazil's gonna win it, guys. I think they got a good. I think they got a really good team. Yeah, I, I think, and I think Brazil has like the best all-around team. So yeah, I agree they have they have a mix of of older guys with experience in this kind of situation. Uh, some guys that were on the team uh, with a seven-one embarrassing loss to Germany in the semifinals, and then they have a lot of new guys as well, young guys uh, that can really make a difference for the team. Um, so much attacking prowess, um, and and also some veteran defending leaders. I think I think Brazil gets it done this time in the World Cup. Uh, and that'll about do it. Y'all got anything more you want to add? No. Well, let's just hope Arsenal can continue their form after the World Cup. <laughs> That's right. Um, we appreciate you uh, listening if you've made it this far in the podcast. Again, this is our 10th episode. We have over 200 listens. These are all amazing statistics. We're so, we, we don't do it for the popularity of the fame. We do it for the fun and the community and hanging out with the guys and just chatting. Uh, but we also appreciate every little bit of help we can get. Follow us on Twitter, at Tackling the Prim. Interact with us, DM us, tweet at us, ask us questions. We'd love to answer some. Um, text us if you know us. Uh, again, we really appreciate it, and thanks for all you guys do. Yeah, thank you for listening if you made it this far. Yeah, we'll see you next time.